1: Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America this time. And I'm pretty excited about this podcast. I have a good friend of mine by the name of Magnus that's coming on from Sweden. We're on the phone together, and I asked him to join us to discuss a topic that I think is really important for the Back to Jerusalem audience to to discuss. And um, uh, about a, a few weeks ago, Uh, he and I were driving in the car together and we were having a conversation. And that conversation, I think, was really, really important. And there were times where we were talking, I thought, man, I wish I was recording this. Uh, So I've asked him to come on and discuss a topic that that, that was very similar to what we were having in the drive to a meeting. Magnus, are you there, brother?
0: Yes, I'm here. It's a pleasure to join your pod.
1: It's so nice to have you on here. I think this is the first one we've ever done together, even though we've known each other for a while. Um, it was kind of, you know, just something that I thought about after you and I had uh, a drive to the meeting. And by the way, the, that meeting that we had, I really, really enjoyed. Not just, you know, the time that I was there, but the idea, the concept, the brotherhood, the support. Um, yeah. Could Could you just take a few minutes and, and introduce yourself for our audience and, uh, and and just share with the Back to Jerusalem people who, who you are.
0: Okay, so my name is Magnus Lindemann, and I'm from Sweden. I'm the director of a mission organization called Life for the Peoples. It's a pretty old organization. We have been around since 1903, and we have been working with Back to Jerusalem for, I don't know, maybe 20, 25, 30 years. Um, so, yeah. I'm married to my wife and we have two kids, teenagers. One is 18 and one is 16.
1: So that's about it. Yeah, well, I mean, for those of you that are listening from Sweden, I know that we get a couple of downloads from Sweden and Finland, some Swedish speakers in Finland as well. Um, yeah. if you, if you've been following back to Jerusalem, you're going to be familiar with Light for the People. Light for the People is our main partner in Sweden, and they've been our partners for a while. I've been working together with Light for the People f- for the entire time that I've been working with Back to Jerusalem. And uh, Magnus, when he came on, we became really good friends, and I'm just, I've been really appreciative. Yeah. And uh, you took me to this meeting a couple weeks ago in Sweden. It was called the Swedish Evangelical Mission Alliance. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah,
0: Yeah, and let me just, for for our Swedish friends, just that our name in Swedish is Jussi Öster because sometimes people don't know us by Light for the People if they know us. From
1: the <laughs> yes and that's really important yeah. and I can't I can't tell you how important that is when 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 we were talking with Light for the People in in the early days and you know the name is Jussi Öster and when we yeah. were talking about because you know the direct translation is Light in the East and, uh, yeah. and, and we said, you know, that may not be the best name uh, for the English translation, because at that time, there was this rising cult in China called Eastern Lightning. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. so yeah, said, we
0: have had, actually had some problems with that, even in Sweden, because um, just maybe this last couple of years, the sect is also coming to Sweden. And people have sometimes thought that we are involved somehow with this thing and we are not. <laughs> so it's uh, kind of interesting. It's so, amazing. But Anyway, this, yeah, it, uh, let it, me tell you something yeah. about the CMA. So yes. so the Swedish Evangelical Mission Alliance is a cooperation now between, uh, we started it with six different organizations, Swedish mission organizations, or, or it's us, it's OM, YWAM. Uh, We quit Sweden and also a couple of more more Swedish mission-oriented organizations. And uh, the idea was to try to see how can we cooperate, work together, how can we find ways to also support each other? Because we see the climate that is happening in Sweden, we realize that we need to help each other, support each other, and uh, do things together. So uh, the meeting that we invited you for was a meeting when we had about uh, 50, I think in the end it was about 60 people coming together from 22 different mission organizations mostly and also some denominations uh, where we wanted to raise this awareness of working together with strong focus on um, mission and when it comes to mission we mean evangelical mission, evangelism and, and that kind of focus.
1: Uh, when, when you and I were, were discussing this, this idea of uh, the Swedish Evangelical Mission Alliance, aren't there other alliances? Is there no other mission group that, that you know, Light for the People could be a part of that some of the other 22 other organizations that were there that, that already exist, that they could just uh, be enveloped in those fellowships? What, what's the need for SEMA?
0: Yeah, uh, uh, there is especially one um, alliance that is pretty strong in Sweden, Swedish Mission Council, and most mission organizations and denominations are part of that. The problem that we have seen the last maybe 10, 15 years is that the focus is not actually on missions, even if it's called Mission Council, but rather it's more focused on um uh, social issues and also religious dialogue and questions like that so the more evangelical focused uh, mission is not that strong anymore and, and that's why we saw the need for actually starting this alliance. Uh,
1: why do you think that is? Why is there not this strong evangelical this, this strong embracement? I mean if you're a missions group right especially if you're Mm -hmm. Uh, like light for the people, you, you have a desire to preach the gospel, um, to those that have never heard it. Why do you think that that has, that, that is almost taken aback because it's not just Sweden. We're seeing this in other Western countries as Mm -hmm. well. We, we work quite a bit in America, Canada, UK, Holland, and, and we're seeing, uh, let's call it an evangelism light almost.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it has to do with change of theology. And in, in the actually, it has to do with our view on the Bible. Uh, and also, if you go even further, you could say that the, the greatest shift that has taken place in theology in Sweden, and, and I would say in most of the Western worlds in the different countries is a shift where we don't have god in the center we have ourselves in the center and that is changing theology completely so in in sweden today you can see a lot of discussions going on in churches about especially the whole topic on homosexuality Uh, but you also have topics do we actually believe that people go to hell if they die without christ Do we believe that Christ is the only way to the Father Uh, and and these issues? And we see in the last, I would say, 10, 15 years, this shift is taking place even in the more traditional evangelical denominations before it was more maybe in the Lutheran church. But today you can see these thoughts coming in, even in the Pentecostal uh, churches and also the more Baptists or, or whatever denomination we are speaking about. So, so I think that is also affecting your idea in how to do missions. If you don't believe that people without Christ will go to hell, then why should we do mission?
1: Yeah, and you brought up something very interesting earlier. You said that instead of Christ being at the center, we are putting ourselves at the center. And I think that it is natural if you have a, an egocentric gospel, uh, why would you want to put yourself in a sacrificial place? Because that brings you discomfort. That brings you pain that, that, that makes you have to sacrifice. And I, I, with that idea missions is a sacrificial venture there's many sacrifices that missionaries make that that mission groups like yours makes you require your partners to make sacrifices they give financially they give of their time they give of their prayer they give of themselves this is sacrificial and and, and if you sacrifice you're not really putting yourself at the center any longer. Um, you're putting Christ at the center. Uh, that something is greater than yourself. That's why you're sacrificing oh. yourself for something that is greater than you. And, and then you talked yeah. about there. There is these this, this almost modernization that's sweeping in that is taking away the ideas of hell. This. Yeah. Why do you think that that is such a dangerous? Idea for mission organizations Is if we only preached About heaven as missions is that such a Bad thing
0: I I Think the whole idea especially I mean uh, what I see in Sweden is that if you If you don't Really believe in hell um, You will Not look at the person's the, The most important thing for a person To actually be in a in a right relationship with god but rather you think about the welfare and of course that's important as well we need to think about the whole person and to help them uh i mean if they are poor we need to help them to to somehow get food on their table but the core issue is still you can be uh, healthy and still not have a relationship with God. So I mean, we need to make sure that people have the relationship with God. And of course, when you read through the gospel, when you read through the, the whole of the New Testament, you, you cannot run from these passages, they are everywhere. You see that if you earn the whole world, uh, but you, you forsake your soul, then it's over, basically.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: so I think this is the core of the gospel.
1: It, it, and you said something that was also very interesting when we were together, uh, uh, and I'm going to get this wrong possibly. Uh, it, it was something that you said that stuck, stayed in my head, and it could have stayed in my head wrongly. Uh, I might have misinterpreted it but you said something about the the group coming together around was it the the kind of the first international congress on world world evangelism in luzon uh, or or there was a there was a body of beliefs that you were adopting that you had said to me in the 1970s was not considered to be so it was considered to be normal but today that same those same ideas if you rally around them you're considered to be Radical, can you can you share about that? Yeah. And if I got it wrong, just just spank me.
0: Yeah, no, no. Actually, <laughs> you get it. You got it pretty right. Because what uh, most mission organizations in Sweden and also denominations are somehow connected to the Lausanne Lausanne Declaration in 1974, the Covenant of the Lausanne Declaration uh, with Billy Graham and. Uh, 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 John Stott, the theologian, and people like that, that came together in 1974, and wanted to to find a way for evangelical churches to to go forward. So they made this declaration with 15 different points. And most of them, when you read through, I mean, it's about the the authority of the Bible, it's about the the uniqueness of Christ, it's about uh, heaven and hell, it's about uh, the importance of missions and, and things like that. And the interesting thing is that when we came together as six organizations that started this tema and we actually came together a few months ago and we read through the Los Angeles Declaration and we actually prayed through it as well. And we said, this is interesting because in 1974 this was a basis for all evangelical churches to come Uh, 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 around somehow and have it as a basis because everyone believed this and as we read through it just a few months ago we did what you just said we said wow this is radical today Uh, and it doesn't mean that it's radical in one sense but it means that the church has actually gone away from this
1: yeah, you you, um, you have touched on this a little bit, but part two, I'm just looking at the covenant as you and I are talking. And part two, so it comes on very early, right after the affirming of the purpose of God, it's the authority and the power of the Bible. And in yeah. this covenant, it affirms The divine inspiration, the truthfulness and the authority of both Old and New Testament scriptures in their entirety as the only written word of God. And it says within the first sentence, without error, it is infallible and it is essential for our faith to practice what is written in this Bible. How is how is that a challenge in today's world?
0: i mean i I think it goes back to what i said before that the shift has taken place that we are now man-centered instead of maybe god-centered which means that above scripture comes my mind so uh, the interesting thing is that most churches today in sweden uh, i mean in 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 many different denominations uh, they would say yes we believe this but at the same time what do we mean with it um, because they say, yes, the Bible is the inspired word of God. But somehow the way we are acting uh, is different. Because what I see, for example, a few years ago, I was working as a Bible teacher. And I realized every year that passed, we had new students coming in. And most of the students had grown up in churches. And they had been in churches their whole, uh, um, I mean, childhood and and adolescence. And now in their 20s, they they came to us and and did their year of of Bible training. And I I realized that these people believe that the Bible is the Word of God, but almost no one of these students have read through the New Testament even once. So Mm. uh, there is one thing that people say that yes, we believe that the Word of God is true, but in their action, we don't really believe it. Because if we do believe that the Word of God, I mean, the Bible is the Word of God. um, We need to read it. (laughs) We need to act it, we need to do it. Uh, And that's the change that we are seeing. So many denominations would say yes, we believe this. But in their way of putting I mean, today, you can hear sermons in some churches without almost one Bible quote.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that what you what you are saying really resonates with uh, a, a lot of Christian believers who have. Who, who have seen the change. If, if you're younger, you may not be as aware of, of the changes. But I think what you're saying is, is absolutely essential because there is a drift away from the Bible being the sole authority and word of God just because there are many things in the Bible that go against the teachings of the world. And that's very inconvenient, especially if you are being seeker-friendly. Uh, being yep. seeker-friendly will turn a lot of people away. And by you not being seeker-friendly at UCS at Light for the People, um, don't you think that by taking a very biblical stance in the face of a culture that is moving away from the Bible, don't you think that that will lead to you getting less support, finances for your organization?
0: Um That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I think (laughs) I think the most important thing is somehow we need to make the decision without thinking about the consequences. Mm. Uh, What I mean with that is, I mean, I, I, our first, our first, uh, uh, how do you say uh, uh, allegiance must be to Christ. Uh, So Uh, then if people choose not to give, then be it. But at the same time, what we see is also I I had an interesting conversation with a a man that I met a couple of years ago, he used to work with Light for the Peoples in the past. And I told him about our focus on unreached people groups and and really focusing on church planting and and evangelism and these more (laughs) evangelical Uh, focuses on on missions and he said like this he said continue because soon you will be the only one in Sweden I know that is not true but I understand his point that uh, because so many of the denominations and and other mission organizations are are maybe uh, changing their way in doing missions that will also create a vacuum among people that actually want to be followers of Christ, want to do the kingdom business. And then I believe actually they will give even more to the organizations that choose to stand uh, on the path of Christ.
1: Yeah, this is what I love about you guys. I love what you guys are doing because it really does feel that you're putting Christ first. Um, I loved when I asked you the question, there was a bit of a silence. Like I haven't thought about that <laughs> so much that I, I, um, cause I, I, really do think that that is how, uh, cause I work with a lot of mission organizations around the world. Right. And I work with a lot of mission organizations based in other countries and I've seen a lot of the focus sometimes leaning more towards donor base than Christ base. And, and I, I know that even at our organization or the organization where I work at, that tendency can be very strong and you can find yourself there, especially if you start a program, let's say, and that program begins to draw in a lot of funding. When that program naturally comes to an end, there can be a desire to want that program to continue on because it is such a good uh, fundraiser. And there are times where I have to ask myself, like, you know, do we really want to help the poor? Like, if we eliminated the poor, how many organizations would have to shut down? Um, yeah. I mean, isn't it in our interest to maintain a certain level of, you know, poverty and lack of evangelism around the world? But. If you have Christ at the center, as you're saying, and the the Bible is the sole authority, then you make decisions based on God's word and not on funding. And if funding becomes a a main focus of the way that you set up the structure of your organization, then you do become more donor-based and seeker-friendly and make decisions that are maybe not so biblical, which... I want to ask, do you think that that has anything to do at all with some of the decisions that that you are seeing in the churches today, in the mission organizations today? Do you think that has anything to do with funding? Do you think, you know, I know that this is not an easy question, but it's an honest one. Like, do you think that, that mission organizations or churches or pastors or mission leaders are making decisions that are more seeker-friendly because of finances, that are more politically correct because of support? Uh,
0: well, I, I think that is always a temptation for everyone that is working with, with these kind of organizations and churches so I think, yes, you, you can fall into that. I also know another area that I think is pretty strong, especially among churches and denominations in Sweden, is what we call in Sweden being political, correct, political correctness. I would say that is a very strong issue in what you say and what you choose not to say, especially in the area of homosexuality. Um, because today if you are not in Sweden saying that homosexuality is a sin uh, then you will have problems and uh, I, I would say that most churches they don't preach this topic because maybe they are I mean maybe they are standing on the Word of God in the issue but they don't preach about it because they are afraid what will be said in the press or the newspapers or how people will deal with this. Uh, And yes, that will also affect money, of course. So I think there is, um, there is that side of finances, but also this side of political correctness and the fear of having a bad reputation among people in general. Um, And but at the same time, I mean, as a believer, when I read the Bible, I realized that Christ says if I was persecuted, then you will be persecuted, too. So it's, it's <laughs> I mean, I think we need to change our way of thinking in these questions. Um, we are called to follow Christ, of course, we shouldn't just speak any topic just because we want to. But where the Bible is clearly in a different approach than our society, we should not be afraid of saying No, yes, we see the society, what you say, but as a Bible-believing Christian, we see that this is sinful or that is sinful or whatever we speak about, and still we can love people and show them respect.
1: Yeah, What you are saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what you are saying goes against that which I think of when i think of sweden when i think of sweden i usually think of people that try to be nice they want to be known as being nice they want to be known as being agreeable they usually are very agreeable they are usually the peacemakers they try to say that the the things that unite and not not divide and so do you, do you think that this is growing into the churches where the churches don't want to say things that uh, or that that make them disagreeable, that make them the bad guy. I guess that's the more simple way that the Swedish Christians don't want to be known as being mean or being the bad guy.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think also if you go back in history, you can see that many of the, for example, the Pentecostal movement, but also the Baptists in the past, they grew in Sweden as sects, in one sense, in the 90s. 19th century, and also in the uh, 20th century, in the early 20th century, when, when they started to, to grow as churches, and people were making uh, fun of many of these Christian groups. And then in the history, uh, you came into 1950s, 60s, 70s, and, and these churches became a voice in the society. Uh, and with that voice, they don't want, we want to, to, I mean, we don't want to go back into what was our original history. Uh, so today we are scared about, we want the people in Sweden to speak well about us. We want people to speak well about the churches and, and things like that. So I think, yes, you might be correct in, in that these things are coming into the church we want to be well spoken of by everyone and and i mean that's impossible as a believer
1: and and this is one of the reasons why i think it's so important that we that we have this conversation on a podcast for our audience because it's not just sweden of course you know i will use sweden as kind of the model but uh, Sweden. All of us are kind of Swedish in that way. In some ways, we 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 become when we fall in love with Christ. We want to reach people. We truly love people, and then I think yep. that there becomes this settlement where we desire uh, to be accepted by people, and we kind of confuse the two that that acceptance. Of from people and loving people are the same thing, and they're simply not. But as Christians, we often get confused with that. And I think that there are many Christians that are looking for a voice of truth, and that's why I was so happy that you agreed to come onto the podcast and share about these these biblical truths and and what you and Light for the People are doing to stand for the Word of God and the the focus. The unshakable focus of reaching the unreached.
0: Yeah. And I would say also what we have found in this, if we go back to the SEMA, I mean, this Swedish Evangelical Mission Alliance, is also that we have realized that we are, there are always organizations, there are always believers that want to stand for the truth. And what we have done now is that we have started to find each other so that we can stand together and support each other. And we are actually speaking about these things that, okay, if some or if one organization of us would be written down in the paper, what do the other others do about it? Let's support each other. Let's go out and say, they are not the only ones speaking about this. We also speak about this because we are a democracy. <laughs> we are allowed to speak about it. The problem is that we sometimes forget it in Sweden that we have free speech, we can actually say things, we are allowed to say things, even if they are not politically correct in this big society. Uh, So yeah.
1: I absolutely love that. Uh, I think that this is so essential, that you're absolutely right, that you hit something that resonates with us as a Back to Jerusalem group, is that when one is attacked for something that we believe in, that we can all, even if we belong to other organizations that may not stand with those organizations, that somehow we do find each other. And it's very easy for us to feel alone. And I think the enemy wants us to feel alone. He wants us to feel like we are the odd one. We must be wrong. Uh, the entire um, uh, Christian body believes And certain ideas that, you know, to us, you know, from our own understanding of reading the Bible may not seem biblical, but I must be wrong. This, this must be biblical. This idea of hell, hell not being real. That must be real because the consensus rules the idea that homosexuality is okay with God. That must be real because the consensus rules. And, and we can feel quite isolated because it doesn't settle well with our spirit. But when we find fellowship with other believers that say, no, I, I am just as crazy as you. I believe what the Bible says <laughs> um, and not yeah. what the government yeah. says. I think that there is a joy in that. Uh, there is a joy yeah. in that fellowship. And I felt it when I was together with you guys. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I, I agree fully with you. And it's interesting also, if I should just say something about also the context of Sweden is that in the beginning of this year, you had a man in Sweden speaking prophetically about that a sword is coming to sh- to, to somehow slice through um, the Christian groups and churches and denominations in Sweden when it comes to these issues about believing the Bible, standing on the Bible, or not standing on the Bible. And I think that is part of what we are seeing. We are seeing that kind of slice from the sword taking place, dividing the body of Christ to see the true believers and also the people that choose not to stand on the word of God. And we are in the middle of it. Uh, we are seeing it in front of our eyes. And I think that I hope, my hope is that many people want to be part of that group that say, no, let's stand firm. Let's stand firm on the word of God. Let's continue. Let's not draw back, uh, but let's keep on.
1: I have not heard that, um, but I the imagery... It resonated with me right away. As soon as you talked about a sword slicing through and dividing up the church that is coming uh, and, and as a as a prophet, I, it that that painted a picture for me that I feel could be very accurate. And I think that it is something that we are seeing. Uh, it is something that we are we are witnessing ju- even today. And, um, and I, I, I'm glad that you shared that because that, that is a powerful visual that's going to stick with me, I know, for the rest of the day, if not for the rest of the year. That's, that's really powerful. Was, was that written yeah. down? Was that in a video? Yeah, right. Was that in a church service that you were at?
0: Um, actually, it, it was written in a Christian newspaper. Wow. Wow. So and and someone has I mean the, the man who who uh, he has actually written a book now about it as well because it was something heavy that he he was laid upon his life. Uh, but it was early on written as a, in a chronicle in a newspaper this year, saying that this especially actually it was spoken about this year in Sweden that this will be a, a year of dividing. Uh, few believers and and uh, from false believers somehow and 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 standing on the word of God. And I think it's, it's what we see. So in that also, I mean, sometimes we can just feel like everything is so dark. But in that, I think also we need to realize that always when God comes and cuts with his sword, he's preparing for something greater. Amen. Uh, it's a way I mean, revival always starts with the church of christ i mean that's where it starts so somehow i I think we should look at it and see okay god will do something he wants to do something again in our country in sweden and hopefully also the whole of the western world we we believe that that it's not over yet but god is doing something but it always starts with the people of god Um, we need to repent we need to come back to our first love we need to sort out or all our idols that we have in our lives and get our lives in order with the word of god then he can start to pour out his spirit again and he can use us as he wants to use us
1: i i think that you and i are of one heart on this and i thank you so much for joining us on the back to jerusalem podcast because i know that there are a lot of listeners that are going to be encouraged about what you are saying i think that there are some believers that have been discouraged by the direction that they have seen the church and the abandonment of the bible as being the sole inerrant word of god and i think that you bring hope with your message and with the fellowship that you guys are forming is it that's exciting i that's a really exciting and i'm glad that you came and shared that with our audience and uh, we will be praying with you and Sema and light for the people. If, if there are individuals in Scandinavia or even uh, Swedish-speaking listeners from other parts of the world that want to get more information on UC Oster, how do they do that?
0: Well, the easiest thing is to check out our webpage um, or Facebook, Instagram, and then it's UC Oster or UC Oster dot uh, so that that's the best way, because then they will find us and and we can and they can send us messages and, and things
1: like that. Perfect. Brother, I want to thank you for your time. I thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks for your partnership with back to Jerusalem and know that we will be praying for you and with you.
0: Thank you. And it's a pleasure to to be with you again. I, I love to spend time with you, Eugene.
1: <laughs> Bless you, brother. Have a good day.
0: Okay. Bless you.
1: Bye bye. And I want to thank you for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. That is a that is a a man of God that I'm so proud to say is my friend, or so excited to say is my friend. And I I just when he was sharing about this vision to bring together those in Sweden that are focused. On preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, come hell or high water, to continue reaching the lost and the unreached, no matter who it offends in their society. I, I that of course many of you that have listened to our podcast for many years know that that is something that is our heartbeat at Back to Jerusalem. So the I, we are we are extremely excited that this is our partners in Sweden. We want to thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast again. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. God bless.